So we are going to talk about the top nine things we wish our parents knew. So times have changed. Every parent says, I've been a teenager too in a different era. You were a teenager, and I understand that. But you didn't have to worry about terrorist attacks or Alice procedures or having a cop walk around your school every single day. And I think that sometimes we need to understand that even though you have experienced some of the same situations, it was in a different era and times have changed. What we worry about might actually surprise you. We worry about things all the time, no matter how big or how little they are. But whatever is wrong, don't ask us why, or we're, why we are worrying about it. We, we most worry about our self-reflection. We worry about how we look, how we dress, and what we, what we wear. So whenever we ask you what we're, what we're worrying about, or tell you what we're worrying about, don't ask us why. When we, ask to hang, when we ask to spend time with our friends, we mean we're going to connect with our friends, not the random strangers that are also there. We're listening, even if we pretend we're not. This one's pretty much self-explanatory, and uh, this one goes out to my mom. <laughs> I roll my eyes, but I'm still listening. You know how somebody rolls their eyes and you're like, oh, they don't pay attention? No, we know it bothers you, and we purposely do it. We purposely push your buttons because it's a game to us, and it brings us great joy, but it's nothing personal. Don't pretend you know everything about us. A lot of times, parents tend to group us together like we're one big mass of people, and we're not. I know that these are all some of my very close friends, and there are big differences between us all. We have different interests and different likes, but sometimes we don't have the responsibilities that other kids have or the situations that they have gone through. So when you act like you know everything about us, you may not, because we may know different circumstances that you don't understand. Stop comparing me to others. I am made to be myself. I am not made to be the girl on the softball team who goes four for four every day. I am not that girl in class who will pass every test with a 90% or above. I am not that girl who puts nothing into something and still succeeds. I am made to be me. I'm someone who makes errors when it comes to hitting a round bat with a round a round ball on a round bat. I am, girl, I am a girl who can spend hours on studying and still end up failing a test. I am a girl that has to fail in order to succeed. If you treat us like little kids, we will act like it. I'm 14 years old. I have a little sister at seven. I'm not seven. Um, 
And if you treat me like a seven-year-old, I'll probably act like it. But that's not just to my parents. That's to people that don't know me, people I see in the store. Just everybody. Don't treat us like we're seven. We really do love you. Although we do all these obnoxious, annoying things, Savannah, <laughs> we hope you know that you mean the world to us, and we really do love you, and we will always love you. One second. So I'm going to be giving the main um, portion of our message today. It's an honor to speak before you all today, and it's actually kind of a God thing that I'm the one up here speaking right now, because originally I was not the one who was supposed to be speaking, um, but what no one actually really knows is that the topic that I'm going to be speaking on has really been weighing on my heart lately, um, especially on the day that I was asked to speak. So as previously mentioned in the main point of our fourth round of Jeopardy was to emphasize that the world is not as it used to be. Times have drastically changed, for today we live in a broken and fear-filled world. See, on Friday, I was feeling overwhelmed and run down by the end of the day. It seemed like each part of my day, one thing after another reminded me of how broken life really was around me. My day started out with something as simple as a blood drive at my school. Giving blood was an uncomfortable feeling, for you have to lay down with a needle in your arm as your blood drains out of your body. And as I lay with a needle in my arm, I couldn't help but think about how blessed I am to have the health that I do. Like many things, I realized how fleeting our health can be. I realized that whoever ends up receiving my blood may be someone who is used to being poked and prodded by needles and at the end of the day they were waiting to be healed and it saddened me to think about all of the sickness that fills our world on friday i pondered the life around me each day i spent each day i spend hours in the classroom or hours in practice with many students who i can see hurting and it breaks my heart that many of these situations the individuals who I, whom I encounter, they don't understand their worth and they don't uphold respect for themselves. They don't know that they're priceless. It's hard for many individuals, uh, especially as teens, um, many of you, it's hard for us to think about the violence that is around us. Students are trained nowadays to learn how to fight for survival against things such as school shootings. Self-defense classes are taught not only to promote one's safety, but to also help prevent against things such as human trafficking. Each day I have friends who tell me about their broken families and how they don't have stability in their homes. I know many people who have been affected by the drug epidemic in Ohio. In fact, I have a couple friends who have lost their parents um, to a heroin overdose. And if I turn on the news, most all that I find nowadays is news on the latest killings, crimes, war, etc. This world scares me sometimes. Stay alert, they tell me. Pay attention to your surroundings. Avoid walking by yourself. 
On Friday, I drove here to the church to meet with the youth, and on my way, there was nothing more that I wanted than for Christ to return. It seemed to me like evil was getting closer and closer to my very own world. I drove past a crime scene on my way to church, right around the corner from my own home, and it broke my heart to hear about the situation as a whole. It was shocking to me that someone who has interacted with some of my family and friends would be capable of committing a crime of such nature. And it saddened me to think about what had happened that would lead that child up to that point to committing that crime. And I, all that I wanted for that child was for him to know Christ. The point of this all is that we are surrounded by a world of hurt. We are in need of a savior. Our very own sinful nature is the very reason why God sent his son to this world in the first place. This morning, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 12 and 13. And what I really want to emphasize within these verses, as Jesus predicts his death, is that no one truly understood what Christ was predicting. So let's begin in chapter 12, verse 12. So this is when Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd, was, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went up. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew, Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. 
It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd was there and heard it, said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now this time for judgment on the world, on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from this earth, will draw all people to myself. He said to this, show the kind of the death he was, he said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the, the Messiah will return, will remain forever. And how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? Then Jesus spoke to them. You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and had hid himself from them. Even after Jesus performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe, because as Isaiah, as Isaiah says elsewhere, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn. I would heal them. Isaiah says this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise from God. Then Jesus cries out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me shall stay in the darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge this world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the, at the last day, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all the things that I have spoken. I know his commands lead to eternal life, so wherever I say... So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And then finally, we're going to read a little bit of 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Isocrat, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the, that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God who was, who was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel 
that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Jesus said, Wait, then the then Lord, Simon Peter said, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew that one for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing feet, he put up his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You called me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is messenger from the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So at the time, the crowd did not realize the need that they had for Jesus. They welcomed him into Jerusalem, praising his name. And not long after that, that same crowd betrayed him. They cheered for his death. What I want to challenge you to think about this morning is whether or not you have completely accepted Christ, who Christ is, and the sacrifice that was made on your behalf. Are you like those of the crowd? Or, in other words, are you following the crowd? Are you proclaiming with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but living out your life in a way that does not reflect your beliefs? Like Pastor Seth said once in one of his sermons a couple months back, you need to put some motion into your devotion. Are you truly acting each day to serve? Remember the passage says, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Later on in John, in John chapter 16, verses 32 and 33, Jesus says, A time is coming, and in fact has come, where when you will be scattered, each of you to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Like an earthly parent's love for their children, our Heavenly Father, too, holds a love for his children, but with a much, much, much greater intensity. In the end, just as Jesus says, love will win. Christ has overcome the world. Think of the popular verse, John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever may believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
There is only one way for this world to be restored, and that will come with the return of Christ in the coming kingdom of God. Revelations 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the order of things has passed away. To wrap up today's message, I'm going to invite the youth back up to share a single way that their family has influenced their life and how their family has also demonstrated love among them. We know that each parent or guardian may question their parenting at one time or another, but parents, we don't expect you to be perfect. We aren't either, but we know that God is perfect. And regardless of the wrong, regardless of the mistakes, here is what you have imprinted on our lives. Here is what we know to be true. So I hope we didn't hurt your feelings too much. <laughs> so after everything that we criticize each other for, I know at the end of the day you may question me or you may question yourselves, but the one thing I will always remember is I love you to infinity and beyond. And no matter the circumstance, you, this will always reign true to me. One thing that's important in my family and that they've taught all of us, that's important to love each other and to care for each other and that nobody gets left behind. I want to thank my mom and my dad for pushing me to the best of my potential. No matter what circumstance, you're always there for me. You don't let me settle for what I have. You push me to the future and let me see what more there is to offer. Um, I will know, no matter what the problem may be, at the end of the day, you will always be there to listen. Linda. And lastly, um, my family has taught me the goodness of God, that God on the mountain is the same God in the valley. And they have also taught me that I will always have a love and support system to come home to. So now we're going to invite our worship team back up to do our closing song.